In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by everyone's favorite aquatic killing machine. Welcome in to episode 75 of the Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. I am Chase, a.k.a. Captain Crunchy. <laughs> did you did you become I'm, unsure of that? I, I'm, the inquisitive Chase. tone was based on the... Uh, uh, the the intro to the show. I'm ready to troll. To be. I've, I've got this. Don't worry. Okay, go ahead. Um, I am Nuclear Nick. Are you are you going to tell something about Aquaman? Nah. <laughs> Aquaman am. couldn't. Hey, don't talk over the general. It's anything. his turn. Uh, sorry. I am Emmanuel the General Marsh. Uh, yeah, the general is um, quite warmly dressed now. Is it? Uh, <laughs> did you get a little cold in the Hall of Dogma studio, Emmanuel? <laughs> I came prepared. Okay. <laughs> I think he got his, his skin blasted off in the Hall of Dogma bathroom. <laughs> so I feel like. I feel <laughs> well. That was which bathroom is it, Chase? That it's would beautifully be the, decorated. Uh, I'll say that beautifully decorated. That would be the uh, that would be the room with the sitting area and currently no wallpaper, thanks to <laughs> Nuclear Nick. Anyway, so here's the thing. I I feel like when we start this show that I I feel like it's kind of high energy for me. You know, it's like brought to you this week. Welcome in episode seventy five. I am Reverend Verbage, and then y'all are like, I'm Chase. You don't do that. You, you say, Nick. brought to you this week by some unutterable mystery that nobody can figure Thank out. Thank you very I'm much. David McConnell. All right, aquatic killing machine. over to us, machine. we're like, what? Aquatic killing machine? What yeah. is your what favorite? Is nothing nothing hypes up the what crowd is your like, favorite aquatic killing machine. Aquatic killing machine. A shark. Yes. Okay. Who's your favorite shark of all time? Everyone's favorite shark of all time. You have a favorite aquatic killing machine? Toto the Thresher Shark. Toto the Thresher. There, there yeah, is a loyal listener somewhere who's listening to this podcast right now, yelling Jaws, Jaws. Jaws. How do you, you know, know that it's everyone's favorite shark though? Because that's everyone. When you think killer shark, when you I think hate Jaws, when you think shark, you think people. Jaws. Mm. Yes, aquatic killing machine. Just other sharks. No, Jaws is the quintessential shark. There's a the shark from a, a shark story or shark tale. Jaws would, Jaws would have killed him. There's a shark from Deep Blue Sea. That one. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo had a shark. Three of them. Flipper. Flipper was a shark, wasn't he? No. Nope. <laughs> he had fins and stuff. Speaking of Flipper, I have something to show you in a little bit. But do you know what year? Uh, do you know okay. what year Jaws was made? 1973. That's close. 19. Nick. I'm guessing 1975. Here we go. Dang it. What, 19, version, what edition of Jaws is it supposed to have been? 75. By this year in um, oh, yeah, Back, in back the to the Future. Oh. It was supposed to be like Jaws. Seven? 14? Oh, no. No, it was supposed to be really uh, Jaws 40 or something, maybe. All right, Nick's going to look that up. Meanwhile, welcome into episode 75 of The Gospel Friends. This is... 19. Uh, Jaws 19. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in, thank you for joining us. Uh, we um, 
uh, you can catch our past episodes. I'm going to say we're on episode 75. We've already mentioned that. You can catch our past episodes on our website, thegospelfriends.com. Uh, you can uh, get the links there to subscribe to us on iTunes and maybe leave a review. That would be nice. We haven't had a review in a while. <laughs> Have uh, you checked in a while? I haven't checked in a while. So I, you used to do that. You used to take care of all the reviews and the Twitter. So I was assuming you would let us know if we'd had any reviews. My coaching career temporarily over. But you know what? I also assumed that if we had um, uh, voicemails and things that you guys would bring those, and I have discovered that sometimes you do not. Well, you know what they say about assuming. Yes. Don't do it. Right now, I, I would point you to the Twitter, which is at my gospel friends, but I'm not sure that uh, it's going to be very useful to you at I the moment. <laughs> I tweeted today. I know you did. No, no, no. You, you tweeted a week ago. Oh, I mean, yeah, I it's tweeted been seven last days. week. It's been seven days since your last tweet, man. Not Nick's, though. Uh, so we we have, uh, you, you can go there at my gospel friends. You could email us, thegospelfriends at gmail.com. Or you could call us. Nick, what number would that be that you would call us at? 205. Yep. 575. Yep. 9735. That was well done. You're I see welcome. what you mean, though. He didn't sound very excited. He or even amorous. Used to be he would give those numbers and, he, and like all the ladies would call in yeah. because... They'd kind of swoon. You know, ladies love cool Nick. <laughs> we I need the voice. Nick to bring nope, I need the back. voice. Oh, oh uh, I'm not sure if I can do the voice with my nasal condition. Uh... This is Leon Phil. <laughs> there it is. Inviting you to tune in to another episode of The Gospel Friends. Nice. That is amazing. That is awesome. Mm. Episode 75. We're Wait, going I don't to... get to talk about SpeakPipe? That was me backing up the tape. Go ahead. You can also reach us at SpeakPipe at 575 SpeakPipe at SpeakPipe.com. Oh. That was voicemail. I'm out of here. Leon doesn't know. <laughs> speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. Speak I always get pipe. speakpipe confused with uh, the voicemail. Speakpipe.com forward slash. Doesn't matter. Nobody's going to send friends. you a message anymore. They're really not. So it's not a big deal. Well, but they might. They sometimes do. We, It'd be not. Look, I'm here down. Our UK I'd love listeners. I love it. Correcting us. Well, the last That's UK true. listener, he decided to send an email rather than send a voicemail. He sure did. That's so, true. He wasn't from the UK. He's from right. Ireland. Or. Dundee. <laughs> okay. Kind of Scotlandish. Okay. All right. So, uh, episode 75, in just a moment, we're going to help you figure out if you have a sports idolatry problem. Uh, in our first segment, uh, we're going to look at a Gospel Coalition article three diagnostic questions to detect sports idolatry. This is going to go along with the, uh, the infamous repentance meter. And yes. what was the other one that we have? We have the repentance meter and the. It's from a earlier episode. I remember that. Okay. Maybe we'll. I only download. I don't listen. All right. So repentance meter and it was, it was something else. So we'll we'll help you determine if you have a sports idolatry problem. Uh, we do. have a serial review today. Chase, what uh, serial are we going to review here on the show? This is a Gospel Friends staple. Reviewing I am cereal. about this serial. It is the absolute most pretentious serial we have ever tried to review. I got it from the rich people grocery store, which is what I call Whole, Whole Foods, Foods. Which, is right. where, which is where Chase shops. Uh, I don't, but I go there every now and then if I got money to burn. They have an awesome olive bar if you're in Oh, olives. they do. They got yes. all these cheese. They, they have a real live cheesemonger there. I mean, it's good stuff. Not only that, you can make your own nut butter there, too, if you're into cashew butter or uh, peanut butter or pecan butter. Whatever, whatever your thing is. 
You can make a butter out of it there. Good. Okay. <laughs> so the cereal we're going to review is veganic. Is that how you say this word? V-E-G-A-N-I-C. I know how to say vegan. Veganic yeah. sprouted brown rice. Now, now it looks like Cocoa Krispies. I'm showing you the pr- pictures. But this is not Cocoa Krispies. This, these right. are caco, caco, cacao All right. crisps. C-A-C-A-O. We're going to get to in a moment. Cereal on the cereal review. Oh, and they're gluten-free. That's just important. And they probably cost like $5, and I'm not even kidding. $5 for a 10 Probably cost more than that. Probably so. But if it's good, I'm going to buy it. I mean, if it's like better than Cocoa Krispies, I'm going to tear it up. All right, we'll check it out in a few minutes. In addition, if we have time, we're going to uh, get to uh, a story. Uh, We're going to discuss, is there such a thing as non-essential doctrines, uh, and and how uh, should we approach... uh, how should we approach brothers and sisters in Christ who uh, maybe have a different view from us on a non-essential doctrine? And maybe, maybe, if we're not long-winded, we're going to talk about the nature of evil. Is that right, Chase? Well, I suspect we are being evil people going to be long-winded, but it's on the top. It's on the uh, docket to talk about uh, school shootings um, the mob mentality and the nature of evil, based on a very interesting Malcolm Gladwell article that appeared this week in the New Yorker. Good old Malcolm Gladwell, <coughs> one of my favorites. Indeed, never heard he of him. is. All right, from the Gospel Coalition to start us off this week: three questions to detect sports idolatry. Everyone like sports around here? Yeah. Yeah. So I hear this guy, when he wrote the article, he said, when I hear someone say War Eagle or see someone sporting Auburn gear, almost reflexively feel obligated to respond roll tide. So this is like an Alabama-Auburn guy here writing this. um, David E. Prince. David E. Prince from. Do you know him? I don't. Do you? I don't think I do. I said it in a way that would have kind of implied that I know David E. Prince, maybe even personally, but I was being facetious. Some of the local writers I know, but I don't think I know him. All right, so he he, he sets forth here three questions to help you understand whether or not you have a sports idolatry. He talks about if, if he sees someone wearing some Auburn gear, he feels the need to say, Roll Tide. I don't do that. Like, I don't feel the need to yell War Eagle at someone wearing an Alabama shirt. I pretty much be yelling that all day. But I will say, if I see someone wearing Auburn gear, I will I will say War Eagle. Happened last night at the at the when we went out to eat. Saw someone wearing a Auburn BCS National Championship yeah. uh, <clears throat> coat. And well, I mean, uh, I I do that. I if said, War I'm like in Missouri or Canada or Missouri. Ireland, but I mean, around here, almost everybody's wearing an Alabama something or an Auburn shirt something. So I see Auburn, Auburn, Auburn's close knit around here. Yeah. <laughs> Auburn's close knit. We have yeah. to stick together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So he says to call football in the South a big deal is like saying the Grand Canyon is a big hole in the ground. Anytime Alabama and Auburn meet on the field, everything in the state grinds to a halt. That is true. That's true. He says, even though I'm an unabashed sports fan, I didn't. Uh, I don't write this article as a fan, but as a pastor and a seminary professor, any con- consideration of love for sports raises the question: Is this good or bad? My answer it is is an unequivocal yes. It all depends on whether sports are summed up in Christ or abstracted from Him. So, uh, we have some comments on that in a minute. Let's uh, start with. Um, 
question number one. Do you enjoy sports as a good gift of God even when your team loses? So do you enjoy sports as a good gift from God even when your team loses? Chase. No. <laughs> I do not. I don't even like when my team is, uh, which is Alabama, I don't even like when my team is not winning enough for me to relax and watch the game. I uh, enjoy sports as a good gift of God when Alabama is up by three or more touchdowns and the other team looks bad. Is that an, uh, an acceptable answer? Yeah. I'm a little worried about how I'm going to do on this test. Uh, you're going to do on this test? So like, kind of like his one of his big points here is that uh, God didn't create sports, but that we created three sports. How does, uh, how does he know? We created oh, sports. Oh, this guy's a Calvinist. Never mind. They yeah. know everything. <laughs> we created sports in response to the world God created, and sports will give us a view of truth and beauty and goodness, um, but that we can easily turn the gifts of God into an idol. And so one of the ways you would know that is if when your team loses, you are unable to still enjoy that that sport as a good gift because to you it's all wrapped up in winning. I I disagree with him on that. Okay. Expound. Because nobody likes losing. Well, I don't like losing. I don't like when my team loses. Um, But but that seems to be his thing. It's like if your team loses, you should be okay with it because you should recognize it's a a good gift from God. Um, Losing isn't a gift from God. If you cannot delight in God for a hard-fought contest when your team loses, then you are perverting the gift of athletics and teaching those around you to do the same. Oh, my God. Parents, if you cannot cheer like crazy for your favorite team only to see them lose and afterward laugh and play in the yard with your kids, you have an idolatry problem. I hope this guy didn't have any boys. I actually agree with that sentence. Uh, I mean, I can do that. I agree with that sentence. But I'm still going to be bummed out, but I can still laugh and play with the kids. That was one of the, that was one of the reasons that I What sentence did you agree with? All right, that? hang on. I'm going to read it. If you parents, if you cannot cheer like crazy for your favorite team, only to see them lose and afterward laugh and play in the yard with your kids, you have an idolatry problem. I've known children who desperately wanted their dad's favorite team to win, not because they cared all that much, but because they knew he'd be sour for the rest of the day if his team lost. Those mm. kids need to get over it. <laughs> now, see, I agree Life with him. Life isn't about I, you. I agree with him. I used to – that was one of the reasons I stopped watching college football for almost two years because, like, literally, if my team lost, that was the end of, pretty much the end of the day. Like, I was in a bad mood the rest of the day and that night. And my, my wife would even say, like, you, you know, if, if Auburn loses this game, you know, we're not going you know, to be able to do anything tonight because you're just going to be in a foul mood. And that was true of me. And I, I think that is a sign of idolatry. Just, so what would you say to somebody who's in a bad mood for a month after their team loses? I, it's a big deal. Yeah, that's, that's When my a big team deal. loses, like, a, it has to be a big game. But, like, when Auburn lost – to uh, the championship. national championship, yeah. I did. I didn't watch TV for a month. Like, if a team loses a big game like that, I won't watch TV for a month. I won't talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. I not that I'm in a bad mood, but like, I'm not happy. I, I think, and I don't think anything wrong with it either. <laughs> I'm not ashamed about it. I, look, I'll just say I think I think there's something to that. I think I think if. Those kids playing that game means that much to us that it 
literally impacts our joy kids one way or another yeah oh, i hear you old man mcconnell uh that well that's what they are <laughs> essentially depending on what age of accountability you believe in chase but i i think if you like if that really thwarts your joy i think it's got a place in your heart that it shouldn't have. Well, I, I tell you, I, I agree with this. His second sentence: If you cannot cheer like crazy for your favorite team, only to see them lose and afterward laugh and play with your kids, I, you're totally right. Yeah, you, that's the one you, I read. You, a second it cannot ago. dim you, that, but that's what I said. You're totally right. Okay, no. I, I completely agree with you. The first sentence he said: um, If you cannot delight in God for a hard-fought contest when your team loses, then you are perverting the gift of athletics. Yeah. See, yeah, that's a like little that. that's, that's, that's the Give me some scripture before you just throw out axioms like that. I like I like Emmanuel's quote there. Uh, what was it? God God doesn't like losing, or God doesn't say we have to like losing something yeah, like that. Losing is not from God. And it's one of these. His theology seems to be like uh, that you shouldn't take losing hard, and if you do take losing hard, then you're an idolater, and I just don't agree with that. Like. God created us to not like losing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's, I don't think that's a product of the fall. I think that we just, we like to win. And, you know, and suffering can, is part of the Christian life. You just do it. But it's, could the idolatrous part be that you are so emotionally invested in a group of people that you do not know, you have no impact on? Yeah, I it, think you can get to that point, but the way he describes it, it doesn't seem like that, yeah. that, you know, that deep. See, because I'm coaching Seth's soccer team, and I can, you know, I'm coaching Seth and Beck, and I can tell you that when those boys don't do, it's it's tough because it's the moral victory versus the the practical victories. That There's no such thing as moral victories. But go ahead. Well, but you take it. Well, hold on, work with me for just a second. You take a group of seven year old boys, and you try first of all to get them to pay attention to you at seven o'clock on a school night, and to teach them lessons that they don't. You know, you're trying to get them to improve, so you. You're happy when you see them improve. You're upset at the things they didn't do execute well. And you go, okay, you did this good. You didn't do that good. And you try to – I get that not losing. But, again, you know, one of them is my son. I have expectations for him. I'm the coach. I have expectations for myself. But that's a lot different than the University of Alabama, who the only connection I have to them is buying their apparel and buying tickets a couple times a year. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? saying? I'm not saying that it can't get out of whack, but I'm just yeah. saying it's okay to feel bad when your team loses. It's okay yeah. to be I, I it's that. okay to yeah. be emotionally invested in something like sports. Have like you guys have you guys seen the, the, the commercial of the dad that's walking away and he looks down at his son's trophy and it says participation yeah, yeah, and he rips it off and writes champs yeah. <laughs> on it. That's that's even worse. Like he should have thrown the trophy away. Just, just throw it away. Yeah. All right. Number two. Do I'm gonna you, make a manual sad because oh, no, they actually did win. His son's team was. Not, he wasn't saying champs just because they were participants. His son's team won, won. every game. Oh. They were undefeated. They were the champs, but everybody got a trophy. He was like, mm, we yeah, do that. Yeah. And his son was only called a participant. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, at number two. Do you sever your participation in sports? For your favorite, uh, or cheering for your favorite team from your Christian faith. So he talks about that. Um, talks about going to a game as a fan and blurting out profanities, uh, being rude and aggressive toward people around you, uh, and then going to church the next day and just being, you know, the kind of the faithful Christian that everyone. 
thinks that you are. So uh, at the stadium, the outcome of the game uh, was is functionally your Lord. Uh, but then, you know, after the game, you're back to, you know, the way you should behave. So that, he says, would be a sign that sports is idolatry. I agree. I, I think that's what we get to the first point. Go <laughs> okay. Ahead. Go ahead, Jace. Oh, I, I just—I mean, I, I think if you, if where you're cheering for your favorite team, you're you're swearing and acting like a jerk. I, I tell you a little story. Coach flag football. We play another team with uh, a coach who's a who's a deacon in a church around here. He does nothing but. Well, okay, this is an exaggeration. He complains bitterly about every contested call, and really, it's just you're just like, come on, man. This sad. And I asked my friend about him because he knew the other guy I'm coaching with. I was like, what's this guy's story? Is he just really a big jerk? He's like, no. Outside of football, he's a great guy to be around. Just he's that way around this. Well, I that's that's not good. You know, that that does yeah, right. seem to say something, and I could be guilty of that, too. I remember kicking a chair over uh, one time when Auburn was coming back on Alabama um, and, and hollering at the top of my lungs. I don't think I swore, but I've definitely swore before while I've been watching a football game, and I don't think you can uh, justify that. So I have a friend of mine who, he's actually a big Alabama fan, but he actually refuses to watch any football games with me that uh, where Alabama's playing. And his wife told me that it was because – he probably doesn't want me to see how he acts when Alabama's playing. Sounds like a wise friend. Does it? Oh, yeah. You think so? Handsome, too. You think he's got an idolatry problem? Nah, not that guy. Emmanuel, like you said it all going Emmanuel, on. you said you don't agree. It's not that I don't – I just think this – this is – I don't – reform people need hobbies because <laughs> – because when they don't have anything to do, they just sit around and dissect stuff that doesn't need to be dissected. Guess what? When things happen we don't like, we get upset about it. It's not about severing our relationship between this and that. It's just, I don't like this. I'm going to be mad about it. And at church, this stuff doesn't happen, so I don't get mad about it. You know, my team doesn't lose while I'm at church. It's, it, I just don't know that it, this, this needed, you know, a whole article. That's why I don't... I don't it just seems very nitpicky. Nick? Um, I love this. This is so much fun. Um, I I think anything that act, causes you to act outside of the way a Christian should act. Well, see, it doesn't you cause you to act that way. That's who you are. <laughs> then, then That's I just would, revealing then it. Well, then personally, I think the Bible would point you to avoiding that type of thing. You see what I'm saying? Because it, see, even... I guess my point is, okay, if I'm cursing at the screen because of a football game, that's already in me. If there was no more football, I'm still going to be cursing at something. You're probably going to be cursing going down the road. Somebody cut you off on the interstate yeah, or you're going to be I'm cursing. I'm a guy at, who yeah. curses when I get mad. That's, that's, yeah. that, that is who I am. It's not who I really am, but that is who I am. And so it's not the football's problem. That's just who I am. It's not an idolatry issue. It's but just, should you do something that feeds that part in you rather than tries to do something that tries to – not oppress it per se, but yeah. Remove, but I just don't. I just don't think it's a. Now, if there's a person who never gets upset about anything except sports, then maybe. But I just tend yeah. to think like that's who you are when you're watching sports or playing sports is who you really are. I, I, I tend to agree. I think. I think. I actually like point number one a lot better. I, th- I think point number two is. I, I'm kind of with Emmanuel there. If if you're acting like that, 
when you're watching sports, you're probably going to be acting like that when you get upset about something else. Would you else. do that if Jesus was in the stands next to you? <laughs> I would. I would act the same way. I don't think Jesus cares if I curse when I'm at a football game, to be honest with you. Now, if I'm cursing at a person, maybe. But I don't think Jesus is sitting around wondering, like, you know, ooh, you said a bad word because your team fumbled the ball. He didn't, he didn't care. I think, I mean, you almost cussed again. No. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know. I, look, I think he probably cares if I'm cussing. That would be I didn't say he would care across view. the board, but I'm just saying, like, I don't. At anything. I think Jesus has other stuff to do than worry about what I'm saying when I'm watching football. He's advocating on your behalf before the Father. That's what he's doing. He's having to advocate more when you're watching football. That's the issue. Not you. But He'd probably be more concerned with the chase. anger issue than what I say, I guess is my point. There's Maybe so. All right, last one, which I actually think may be weaker than number two, but I don't want to spoil the soup here does your involvement in sports inspire faithfulness in your vocation endeavors so he says paul seizes the metaphor of sports as a key image to explain christian living since athletic success demands purposeful self-sacrifice a christian approach to sports then involves being inspired to worship the creator through witnessing or exercising the physical gifts an agonizing determination that are evident. See, who is doing that? Uh, how many Christians rigorously critique the work ethic and dedication of their favorite team's coach while complaining about their job and excusing their own lack of work ethic and dedication? Such is a sad commentary on the lack of commitment so to this, the priority of Christ. Christ's okay, kingdom. this was a guy who had two things to say and then needed three for it to seem like so a So he kind of came up with a third one. And I think essentially what he's saying is that you're – is that um, – when the wordy guy can't figure out what he was saying, dude's yeah. point needs to go home. I, I think he's saying that, you know, at your job, you may be just barely getting by and you, you're complaining about your job and you don't have a, a very large work ethic. However, you're, you're, com- you're complaining because your favorite team's coach is not working hard enough. So your love of sports should cause you to work harder at work Rather than, I don't think that's what he's saying. Oh, you don't think that's what he's saying? I think what do you think he's saying? I think he's saying that when you're watching sports, you should be sitting there saying, I thank God the Father who endowed these men with athletic gifts and abilities. Are you All saying, praise is to him. That's what it sounds like he's saying, that that we should be. I don't disagree. That's, that's what it. That was my interpretation. Uh, it says, participants and fans watch and enjoy the beauty, effort, and focus the sporting contest brings out in its participants. And as a Christian, you should be challenged to agonize in similar fashion for the glory of Christ in your own vocation. Okay. So I guess you're right. I think he is saying that you, like if, if your team is doing really well or not doing really well, you're critiquing their work ethic. You should then critique your own work ethic and try to work harder in your vocation. Yeah, I mean, I know my work ethic is crap. I don't have to critique it. I know what it is. I'm unmotivated, undisciplined, think, unorganized. Yeah. So now I can have the right to yeah. criticize uh, <laughs> Ghost Malzahn's play calling in the uh, fourth overtime. I'm I'm kind of like Chase. I, I, I mean, I'm, excuse me, I'm kind of like um, Nick. I think it was like he had to and I think his his the best one was number one and then after that he really struggled with number two. Look, <laughs> and then he has like two small paragraphs on Christ-centered approach he threw in there to make it 
seem more reformy. That said, I do think uh, sports idolatry is a real thing, and I think a lot of people in Alabama struggle with it. And I'm probably I do of, agree. And those Alabama uh, fans need to repent. I I agree. <laughs> I think I have had sports idolatry issues before, and I think that you can have them. I'm not sure that was the best test for it, but like I said, I think think point number one was the was the strongest um, out of those. All right, guys. Uh, let's. Um, we need to move to. Uh, we should do our cereal review, I believe. So uh, I'm looking at this box here, and uh, now Chase, you said you got this from the Rich People Store. That's right, Whole Foods. Okay. <laughs> uh, one degree organic foods. Every ingredient has a story. <laughs> okay, so that's that was the and that story would never be told because we didn't eat it. Can I just say for for a moment that I, I believe Chase that uh, the purchase of this cereal is probably going to go help fund some of your friends in the um, non gun lobby. Okay, um, well so here's the thing. That's why I shop at Walmart. Hey. Normally five ninety nine a box. It was on sale for three something. Okay, and I thought, well, I, we could we could swing that. V- Veganic sprouted brown rice. Keiko Crisp, so, okay. gluten-free, and um, I still don't understand why he was a Whole Foods. Anyway, ingredient story: meet some good-natured grains with similar. simple stories to tell. So okay. every ingredient has a story. I work so near a lot of stores that I don't visit on a weekly basis. <laughs> I wish I could afford to weekly go to the rich people grocery store. I love it. All right, I'm gonna let you uh, open this up. I'm gonna get so, our so cups Whole Foods is a rich people grocery store. What is Publix? That's the uh, upper, middle, upper class. middle class grocery store. No, that's the oh, that's the because that's shop, the Christian I, chicken grocery store. Because I shop there and I go get like I buy meats from there because the meats are reasonable. Well, you're rich people. You don't have any kids. Shh. I'm not rich. Oh lord, I don't make no, that. We're not going money. down this road. You don't make that faster money. That's all. Awesome. Wrong kind of church. We're not off Grants Mill Road, bro. Why don't you say Emmanuel oh. doesn't have kids? Pop. I said he's rich because he doesn't have kids. Well. Everything has everything temporarily rich. Everything has to change, right? All, All right, do. to every season. So, turn. by the way, first ingredient: organic sprouted brown rice. I was gonna say the first ingredient is rice. Organic coconut palm sugar. Organic cacao. Cacao. It's cocoa, but they're spelling it foreigny. No, it's Foreign. cacao. It's a different cacao. Thing. Is it a different thing? Yeah. Is this really? It's not cocoa. All right, let's just pour, pour the, the, pour cereal, the cereal, bro. All right, so here's the deal. This is fascinating. If radio. this is one of the uh, first times that you've ever joined us on the Gospel Friends, we we love cereal, and uh, as a matter of fact, my I was happy this week. My wife went to the store, and our pantry is filled with all types of good cereal, name brand cereal too. My wife has started. Um. Not holy crap cereal. Yeah, she she's she's actually buying cereal somewhere other than Aldi's. Is that enough? A little bit. Oh, she's moving on up. Huh? Yep. That's funny. So, um, the shape of these look like look, the shape of these look like rat droppings. We love. They really do. <laughs> we love cereal here on the Gospel Friends, and so a part of our podcast is we will do cereal reviews, and then we're gonna give you a. Um, oh, and once you get the milk in it, it starts to smell like that too. We're gonna. Oh, really. So we're going to give you a review here. It'll be out of five spoons. And um, if you have a cereal that you would like us to review here on the Gospel Friends, you can mail it to us. Mail it yeah. to us. I was I was letting everybody hear Nick crunching the microphone because I know that's their favorite part. You can mail it to us. We got a box of hung- Hungarian cereal recently that um, was sent by a listener, and we reviewed that. Uh, several. We've got some cereal here on the table, including Crapola. Cereal, which has been the uh, one of the worst cereals we've ever had. 
Don't forget Holy Crap. Holy Crap cereal? Yep. No, Holy Crap was the worst, wasn't it? Wasn't that the one that turned into like the grass? Yeah, the, the gray mush. Into- yeah. Shout out to, wasn't that Jacob Ali? What happened to Jacob? He took a hiatus. From the world? From the podcast or just from like Facebook and stuff like that? Is he still listening to podcasts? I, I know you. Even, period. I know you and him are big buddies. From the hall. Oh, okay. All right, so um, we're we're chowing down here on the um, what is this called again? Veganic sprouted brown, brown rice, cocoa, cocoa crisp. All right, first Look, of all, with the name of your cereal, yes. has like eight words in it. You're That's doing a problem. it wrong. Yeah, you, you're gonna lose a spoon for just the name when it's that pretentious. All right, I'm gonna say it. up front, it's not as bad as I was picturing it being. Mm-mm. It's okay. not as bad as it's 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 not as bad as the um, the. No, no, it's not nearly that bad. It, it, it's uh, you know this is obviously a knockoff of Cocoa Krispies, but the Krispies well, are more profound, more uh, bigger, crispy, yeah. yeah, more fortified and crispier. Yeah, it's like a healthy Cocoa Krispies. That's exactly like what that. it is. It's yeah. like they're trying to upgrade Cocoa Krispies. All right, I gotta say it's been in the in the milk for a while now, and it's staying crunchy. That's a, that's a good sign. Only one gram of fiber, though, so the it's not going to help you tweet the longer it's in the milk, though. So you probably, <laughs> if you want to tweet one I time guess. a day, you're probably going to have to get some sort of sprouted. Organic brown I rice. I help you tweet, tweet more than twice a day. Or more really? than once a day. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe. Get things moving early. It's got a little bit of a bitter taste to it. Is That's that got to be the type of chocolate. Is that the type of yeah. chocolate yeah. it's using? Well, it's not it's, a real sweet chocolate. It's kind it's of. It's also because it's more natural. It doesn't have artificial sweetener. So that's what that chocolate normally tastes like, as opposed to your chemical. My wife would like these. She doesn't have much of a sweet tooth. This is Cocoa Krispies for somebody that may either be pretentious or not like sweet <laughs> cereal or both. Or, you know, it, it tastes a lot like a lot of dark, dark chocolates. It is. And, yeah. And so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a dark chocolate taste to it. Yeah. All right, we gotta go around the table. You're gonna gonna give this a spoonage um, out of five spoons. All right. By the way, I don't think we've ever had a five spoon cereal review um, on this show. I think we've had a four, four and a half, but um, not sure we've ever had a five. Don't know that we're gonna get there today either. Nope. <laughs> so we're gonna go. Uh, we go with Chase first. Chase, what's your um, What's your cereal review here? What's how many spoons is veganic sprouted brown rice getting? Well, it's definitely not bad. It holds up well in milk. It's crispy, crispity, crunchity, about what you'd like. As Nick says, it's got a pretty good mouth feel. Um, unfortunately, I have a bit of a uh, a cold, and I don't know oh no, it, it kind of robs you of flavor, and, and so I, it, I'm going to give it an extra half spoon. It's not quite sweet enough for me. Um, uh, one of my gold standard cereals is Cocoa Krispies. I love it. I, I love the texture. I love the taste. Um, this is not to me as good. Although I can definitely see my, there are people like my wife who would say it's better. It's not as good. So I'm going to go, I would normally say two and a half or three stars. I'm going to go three and a quarter stars. Give it a little bump because three I just can't taste. All right. Emmanuel. Is the milk good? <clears throat> like Chase, I also have a, uh, some nasal congestion, so I can't taste it as as much. But oh, the milk! Save it. 
but being crunchy is always high on my list. So it's crunchy. It doesn't taste bad, but I can't tell how good it tastes because I can't smell anything. I'm going to give it three. Three. Okay. And the main reason I'm giving it three is, one, I can't taste it. But, two, the big reason is Cocoa Krispies talks to you, and this is silent. It could you, be talking to you later, you but I don't know. You can't call yourself a Rice Krips cereal and say nothing. I just okay. a point well made. All right. Nick. So, okay. we got three and a quarter, three. Nick. So, I'm splitting it this way. Uh, I'm going to give it a three and then a four, and I'll explain why. As a cereal on its own merit, it's getting three, okay? Um, because you're trying to compare yourself to Cookie Krispies, and at that comparison, you're failing miserably. <coughs> if you're going for a healthier or richer lifestyle, yep. um, it gets four. Because if yep. you're looking for all natural, all that crap that the box says, then I'm I'm sure it's probably one of the better, especially comparing it to this other stuff we've been sent on the table. Which thank you for contributing. I hope we brought you amusement, but. That healthy stuff versus that healthy stuff. Yeah, that guy wins. Okay, so, yeah. so you're a, you're ending up at a four actually if, on average. If, well, no, if if I'm if I am a healthy person, healthy minded yep. person, and I yep. care, yep, then that guy gets four. Yeah, comparing it to the other healthy cereals. Okay, on its own merit, it's a three. So I would like agree. Emmanuel's Christian movie versus regular movie scale. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I would agree exactly. All right, I am. This cereal has started off for me four and a half. This is good. Wow, I really? like it. Yes. Wow. I like it. It has a great mouthfeel. It is not it's not chewing up the sides of my mouth at all. It's not too sweet, which I like. Yeah. I like okay, like they just everybody's been making that I like sweet cereal, but like everybody's been making a big deal about that new Lucky Charms coming out that's just all marshmallows. And that to me I think that would be way too much sugar. I couldn't handle that. I, I don't like way too sweet. I like raisin bran where you get a little bit of sugar and then some you know something to balance it out so this is good i like it and if you know me and you've listened to these i just did something that i never do i drank the milk yes you did i, was I did i drank the milk i don't like milk and i think milk is just primarily there um to coat the cereal in something mm-hmm. but i just drank it because the flavor i liked it that much so it started off four and a half but it's going to end up at a four because of the box the box is just a complete turn off to me one degree organic foods veganic sprouted brown rice i mean it's just it's i mean really like you were trying to give me reasons to not buy no you're voting for hillary if you buy this oh my i mean that's just bottom line i mean you're you are somewhere you're buying this on your way to tell people to not kill chickens and things like that so i i have to I'm what having to, happened? I'm having to knock it down half a half a spoon for that. So I'm going four spoons on the brown rice Keiko crisp. That is that is a good cereal. Just needs to be repackaged. So the whole panel, three to four. Three to four. Much better than I thought it was gonna be. Maybe the rich people grocery store is not all that bad. Chase. Look, man, that food at the rich people grocery store is awesome. How does they it got this to Trader Joe's? Thing? I don't remember been to Trader Joe's. Okay. I'm going to try it out, but it's actually in the summit, like in the actual summit. The Trader Joe's, yeah. Oh, if you have out. a uh, if you have a cereal that you would like for us to review, if you'd pick it up, um, shoot us an email at uh, Mike. Uh, let's see, no, the Gospel Friends <laughs> at Gmail dot com. We'll give you the mailing address, and we will give you a huge shout out on the show as we review the cereal. The more unique, interesting cereal that you can find, the 
better. All right, guys, uh, we're going to move into um, next segment here. Uh, Scribblepreach.com had an article this week entitled, There's No Such Thing as Non-Essential Doctrines. This was written by... Uh, Another Calvinist? I guess, yeah. Nick <laughs> Youth, maybe. I can't. I don't know, actually, if that what if that's his name or not. Uh, Should have looked that up ahead of time. Nick Youth? Yeah, Nick Youth. His email is nick.youthwriter. And so I don't know what that means. Probably Youth Pastor. Maybe. All right, we're just going to go with Nick. What's up, uh, Nick? Nick? Nick wrote this. All right, there's no such thing as non-essential doctrines. He talks about that uh, how Christians are... If nothing else, uh, evangelical Christians are, if nothing else, minimalist. We pride ourselves in being faithful in the essentials and charitable in the rest. And he talks about how recently several helpful blogs have posted articles regarding the separation of first, second, and third tier issues of the faith. With their first tier, if you uh, the first tier issues, if you disagree there, you're a heretic. The third tier issues, if you disagree, uh, you're still a faithful believer, but you probably just won't teach Sunday school or something at at uh, at the church. Uh, and, and he says he appreciates these because he is tired of hearing the word heretic slapped around on those who disagree over the days of creation or the <coughs> political future of Israel or the issue of baptism. He wouldn't like the hall of dogma. <laughs> he would probably struggle there a little bit. Um, but then he says, I would like to offer a caution as well that we need to be careful about separating the... uh, We do need to be careful about separating heretics from the just plain weirdos, but this does not in any way abrogate us from the duty of... He's using really big words. Mm -hmm. I guess that means release us from the duty of pursuing truth at every tier. Why? Because every tier of truth has imminent and practical implications for how we live our lives in holiness. So let's... We're going to, he, he's going to, to talk about the. Do away with. We're going to talk. Thank you. We're going to talk about the end times in a moment. He's got some views on the end times, um, and, and why he he's used the end times as an example that many people consider that a third tier issue, and he doesn't think that it is. But let me just start with his basic premise, uh, Emmanuel. Do you agree with him that at the end of the day, there's really no such thing as non-essential doctrines that everyone should be pursuing truth at every tier? essential and I don't know if I agree with him and the reason I don't know is because when I use the term non-essential doctrines I'm usually talking about things you have to believe to consider yourself a Christian and things that it really doesn't matter what you believe you can still be a Christian so like I don't your belief on end times I don't think that there's nothing you can believe on the end time stuff that will make you not a Christian in my book okay um, so that's that's how I take it. Now, does that mean you should stop pursuing truth? No, I mean, you should still, like, and I'm bad about this. Like, I people ask me, hey, what, what are you, a pre-trib guy or post-trib guy? I don't know what I am, and I really don't care. Like, it, it, I'm actually in that boat, too. And I just, and I'm, and it's like, well, why don't you study that? It's like, because there's better stuff to study. Yeah. It's, it's not because I don't think it's important. I'm not, you know, but it's just like, it doesn't matter where I come down on it. I'm probably not going to teach it much. And if I do, it's just like, look, God will work it out in the end. Like, Jesus wins. You know, things are going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, so if you pin me down on it, I'll give you an answer about what I think. But I don't know. I hadn't studied enough for myself. I just listened to arguments 
put forth by other people. Hmm. So I just I don't know that it matters to my ministry if I have a have a camp that I'm in on the end time stuff. Okay, um, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Is that I think that um, you know that it I've never felt compelled to really study that a lot. Um, so you know I, I I tend to think the essentials uh, are related to salvation through Christ, and that there are some issues that I don't know if I like the word non-essential. But I, I definitely do not think it carries the same uh, priority yeah. as, I mean, the issue of Jesus and whether or not you believe Jesus is the Son of God and you are in need of his redemption and his work on the cross, that is an essential. That is a matter of heaven or hell. And, you know, the issue of worship music, the issue of, um, I mean, days of creation were the days actual days or representative of days um, age of the earth end times those things are not heaven or hell issues they're important I just don't know that they're heaven or hell issues so I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know I don't know if I like the word they're probably essential but I don't know they don't have the priority on them and they that, really end up being distractions you know yeah, he's going to make a case in a minute that he doesn't think that about the end times. But Chase, what do you think? Is there are there, are there non-essential issues in the Christian faith? I, yeah, I think I think there are non-essentials in, in the Christian faith. I, I think that's precisely what what Paul is driving at. Um, it, he talks about some, you know, some Christians celebrate uh, the Sabbath, some don't. Um, I, I think there really is some freedom on some of those things. Uh, you, you know, in his discussion of the weaker faith in Romans 14, um, there's some warnings. Uh, you know, uh, Romans 14, 5, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another condition, uh, considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. You know, that's, that's exactly what he's saying there. He's saying that there are some things that uh, are important to the person, but they're not essentials. Paul's not even telling us which one of those is the, quote, right thing to do. Uh, whoever regards one, one day spe- as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So I definitely think there's some of those. All right, so back in the day, uh, in uh, roughly the fourth century, there was this tremendous controversy right, uh, right around the Council of Nicaea on the substance that Jesus was made of. All right, so was Jesus of a similar substance to God, or was Jesus of the same substance uh, to God? Yes. Homoousios. That's right. Homoousios and homoousios, or hetero. Uh, the heterosexuals guys you really are the status of the masses heretics. Now nah, I'm gonna pull a pay per view. But right, hey, well, seriously, you study theology. This you was and I just wandered huge, into a nerd convention. This was a huge deal among no, the church for hundreds here. of years. And if you say Jesus was of a similar substance of the Father, you're a heretic and essentially outside of the faith. If you say they're the, the same substance, then you are Nicene in your Christianity, because um, that's part of the Nicene Creed. Uh, or at least that, that touches on that. On that, and Eusebius of Caesarea was a, the homoousius of a similar substance. I think we get caught up in those kind of things a little too much. 
I think we get kind of caught up into describing the exact nature of the Trinity. Are they a too important much. at all? I think so. Yeah, I okay. think that's an, that that particular thing is an important discussion. Is it an essential discussion? Essential means that which you can't do without. And I would say, well, no. uh, actually, okay. I, w- I went out there and looked up the word essential because I said earlier I don't know if I'd call it a non-essential. So the 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 just definition of essential is uh, a thing that is absolutely necessary. Yes, can also mean extremely important, but. If we're saying a thing that is absolutely necessary, then I could get on board with saying, okay, this is a non-essential because it's it's not absolutely necessary to know, um, you know, I, I don't know that it's absolutely necessary. I think it's absolutely necessary to know and believe Jesus is coming again. I don't know that it's absolutely necessary to know if he's coming pre-trib mid-trib or post-trib. Absolutely. It's important. Sam Storm. It's important. Is amillennial. But not absolutely necessary. And Sam Storms could be a uh, an elder at the Hall of Dogma Church, even though I myself am a post-trib guy. David Platt is a amillennial. He is indeed. And he certainly could be an elder here. We even have a pre-trib elder here. Yep. All right. Uh, so, Nick... Let me ask you a question. Do you think there are issues of the faith that um, never really will be able to get an answer to, and therefore perhaps we should focus on those things that you know we know with more certainty? Yes, and I'm no. leading. I'm leading the witness here. Yes, uh, and no. so so on a non. Maybe I was asking this way on a non-essential issue. Like, for example, the rapture. When is it, you know pre-trib? Is there a pre-trib rapture, or we're going through the the uh, tribulation? Mm-hmm. Do you think that is an issue that every Christian should pursue truth on, or do you think there's a place just to kind of do like a manual eye and just go? You well, know what? we'll see. I'm going to say the first part of your first question first. Say the first part of my first question first. You've you've asked me like three and a half different things. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's why I said I just go back. I'm just going to ask ask it this way: do you do you think do you think Christians should pursue truth on every issue, which is what this guy is saying on in every tier? Pursue, pursue it? truth. Yeah. Yes. Obsess over it. No. Okay. And and so that's fair. I think if you are compelled to learn about the end times, the tribulation, things like that, by all means, learn about them. Read Revelation. Get a good commentary, get a couple of learned guys that aren't cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs in other regards, other ministry. Read all about it and make a determination for yourself. But if you make it your life's work to become a tribulationist rather than anything else, I think I think you're I think you're misspending your energy. Um, you know, this is I hear what I'm saying when I say this, but but people who spend seventeen hours a day reading the word and never putting it into practice either in their own life um, and people would say well if they're reading for that long how are they not putting it into practice because they're not doing what the word says they're not going out they're not being a witness they're not being salt and light um, you don't know that they're actually applying it to their life other than they're just trying to stay in a corner so they don't accidentally sin but they're not are they letting it transform them from the inside out um, hello hello 
<laughs> Sorry about that. Um, funny story about that guy. Um, but are they letting, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, but I do think there are rabbit trails that are um, unprofit, uh, not profitable. Um, so pursue it. Don't obsess over it. Yeah. To you. Emmanuel, he says, um, talking about the end times, he says the end times is a third, an example of a third-tier issue that I've heard more pastors than not proudly proclaim. We as a church don't care if you're post-millennialist, pre-millennialist, amillennialist, it'll, uh, or all millennials, uh, all millennialist, it'll all work out. We only care about the essentials of the faith. Now, there is a dangerous statement if I've ever heard one. Believers of centuries past would balk at such a statement. Don't care about how Christ will come? What could be more absurd? And bad a Puritan as I am, I have to say that I agree. So he's saying, you know, we should care about that and that it's absurd or dangerous to say that that is not an essential of the faith. And he he goes on to give some reasons that he thinks that not believing uh, or, or wrong belief in the end times he essentially says that somewhere in the 20th century, the church basically checked out of culture, and they stopped making great art. They stopped reading. They stopped producing great literature um, simply because they felt like all that really mattered was the future state of Israel and people's souls. And so they, they checked out of culture and that we're thinking that the end times were upon us uh, and that we're still paying for that. Hmm. So do you have any thoughts on – you know, is it absurd to say that something like the the end times is a non-essential issue? Here, here's the here's the problem with the end times thing is the reason it's absurd to spend that much time on it is because there's no way to figure out who's right, and we won't know until at this to that time. You know, that's an excellent point. To where you know we're raptured, you know, and then that's the people good. who didn't believe in the rapture are like, oh. Guess that was right, or to the time where you know it's you know you're being persecuted and you're saying, oh, I guess those people who were you know post political they were right. We just won't know, so it does no good for us to obsess about something. We would we will not get revelation right. Yeah. Now here's the thing: I think there might be somebody who does have it right, but we won't know they're right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Until until yeah, and so the end. Since you can't, since there will never be a consensus on that, is it wise to spend a, a ton of time trying to, you know, I guess worry about it? I will say I completely agree with you. I will say this: I think there are some sloppy, unbiblical views of the end times that are far too focused on determining dates and things like that. Mm. To the point where you could you could almost dismiss the point of view just because it is not biblical enough. But overall, I agree with your point. I, Which I think, blows my mind when the Bible says you won't know. Anyway. Well, see, that's the thing. That that's and that's that was actually where I was taking that question a moment ago, and I I reworded it because I said I'm leading the witness because I, I tend to think like a manual, like on the end times, it, we're just not going to know. And so, you know, every time it gets brought up. To Jesus, he would just say, "No man knows the day or the hour." And it seeming it seems like the Bible will, you know, will point you to, "Hey, you'll have an idea." Just like when the seasons are changing, you'll you'll know you'll have an idea, but be about my work. 
And that, that seems to just be where the Bible focuses it, not not try to figure this out. I, I do think you made this point several years ago, Chase, that um, like here's a danger of maybe wrong theology there. If you're someone who believes wholeheartedly pre-trib uh, position on the end times, the rapture will happen. So the church will be raptured before any tribulation begins. Could you be setting yourself up for deception by an antichrist because you're not looking for him? Because your your thought process is the antichrist is not coming until after we've been raptured out of here, and so you could be deceived, you know, in the midst of the end times because you don't actually believe, uh, you know, or if he's a person who believes that the antichrist has already come, it was you know Nero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, I can understand. I don't guess any of us are saying it's not important at all, but just to say that it's essential. I think that's a that's a stopping point. Like I don't, I can't go that far with him. I heard um, a guy the other day, and he had an interesting uh, theory about the end times and the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Haven't heard this one before. <laughs> Make a long story short. <coughs> He was talking about the colors of the horses. You got the red horse, you got the white horse, you have the pale and black, the green horse and the black horse. Um, the pale horse is the green horse. That's the. I don't know why they say pale, but the the, the chloros. The, yeah, yeah chloros. it's a yellowish green. I'm not sure why. The, I, I guess green horse sounds weird. It does. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he was making the point that those are the same colors in all of the Middle Eastern. Nations flags Red, white, green uh, And black So like Iran And Mm. all those Countries Have those colors in their flag Hmm. Which is true And he was saying that those are That is the Agent by which The world will be kind of spun into chaos It's through (laughs) war and those. I was like that was a very interesting uh, Concept Is it true? I don't know. Yeah, you know, and so there's no no point of me spending the rest of my life trying to prove it or see it. You know, it's <laughs> one of my favorites is every Republican who tries to make a popular Democrat the Antichrist when they can't be because there is nationality doesn't work because Jews are going to have to accept him and <laughs> yeah, there's not a drop of Jew in him so or her sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, politicians are always popes or popular, oh, yeah. uh, or the Catholic Church. Which, I, mean, I think you could, which, which is what now, Jesus spouses. I have no problem with <laughs> Tim LaHaye's theory that the Pope may be his false prophet. If I have to hear Chase call the Catholic Church the whore of Babylon one more time, <laughs> he said it. He said it five times before this show. I don't think way, you, you have get to get some WOB T-shirts <laughs> if you'll just send your fifteen dollars to. <laughs> I think you can you can just That's point out people. you can just point out a politician is in the fact yeah, completely evil and incompetent without calling them the antichrist so yeah just saying but anyway all right so sounds like we're almost all on the same page but tell us how you really feel about Hillary <laughs> but I will, I will I, I, but I agree with this it's it, it's not essential in the sense of in, in one way but it is essential in a sense where it's it can be dangerous. If you, if you just you know kind of sat down right there on that as part of your theology, yeah, yeah. and it can 
kind of inform the rest of your theology to where you're, yes. you live your life differently. Yeah. So yeah, I think we're all that's saying what people who study that do. It's like they don't read any of the other. They might venture to Daniel, and that's about it. It's that they just study Daniel and in Revelation. You know those type of people. I, um, I, yeah, I think we're all kind of on board there that it's, you know, those issues are important. Hmm. But he's trying to make the point that there's no such thing as a non-essential. And if if non if essential means absolutely necessary, I just I disagree with him. I think there there are certain issues that are just they're not absolutely necessary. I, I happen to think that maybe like I keep waiting for the time when the spirit moves on me to say you need to really dive into end times. And I mean I'm not trying to be funny. It's like I, I think that's when I'll really study it. And it may be after Hillary gets elected. I don't know. But it you know I I think that's what it'll take because as of right now, it's not. At least you, know, you finally accept that that's going to happen. Lord help us. Oh, uh, look, I think it's going to happen. I, really? I don't want to. Uh, makes me sad. I don't want to, but I'm I not really. I'm saying I'm happy about it. I'm just saying I don't think there's yeah. anybody's going to be. That will be. Look, if we have Barack and Hillary back to back, there will be proof that there's not enough right wing gun nuts as the Democrats try to make you think. Yeah, I'm heading to. Because <laughs> if they hadn't caught a bullet by now, you know. Hong Kong. That's where I'm going. Chase, why don't you take us into our final segment? You you kind of look like you uh, did you when you left the room a minute ago? Did you uh, you didn't get into Narco's bag out there? Did you? <laughs> I don't think so, man. Okay, he came back kind of mellow, didn't he? <laughs> hey, why do you ask? All right, Chase. So I'm at, oh, I see. My well, you got muted there, buddy. The mic's gone, Chase. Bad news. <laughs> take the next segment. All right, guys. I don't know where this story's going to go. It, it'll close us out with the last fifteen or so minutes of the Unlike show. Unlike the rest of the show, where we've known where it's going. <laughs> This was a little more mysterious than most. Uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, my eye was caught by a New Yorker article written by Beth Settling author Malcolm Gladwell. Um, most of us, other than David, probably are fairly familiar with Mr. Gladwell. He claims to be a believer. He is an interesting thinker. Um, he claims to be a believer? He does indeed claim really? to be a believer. Yeah, sure? yeah, I'm pretty I sure. I, did not like his, else. I didn't appreciate his tone of his last book. Which one? The one about, like, David and Goliath. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tipping Point, Outliers, Blink. He's also written those books. Yeah, those are good. But anyway. He's – he okay. I, I, I would imagine – Based on his tone and just hearing him talk about his last book, I would have – I wouldn't have thought of him as a believer. He seemed very uh, – what's the word? Naturalistic. Okay, so you you can read an article, and I I think he I look. I say he claims to be a believer. I believe he's kind of a, a new school sort of. Uh, eh, I can't obviously can't judge the the his salvation, but in Relevant Magazine, no, you can read his article "How I Rediscovered Faith." Oh, okay. Which uh, you know, I'm not a very big fan of a whole lot of the, what was mentioned there, but. Be that as it may, I, I find him quite fascinating as a writer. Yeah, I do too. Um, he's a good writer. He's compelling. Um, he wrote an article called Thresholds of Violence that examines the school shooting epidemic we've had in our country since the 90s. Um, and, and reading the article, it, it's, it's one part history of school shootings, one part uh, theory of why these school shootings keep happening. Uh, and, and it was a good reminder that before Columbine, there were several school shootings. It's just that Col- the, the Columbine guys, uh, Klebold and Harris, were more, they killed more people than the others did. 
they were more they were more carefully planned. Um, so anyway, the, the way he starts the story is fairly fascinating. It's a little bit of the part that caught my attention more than the rest. It, it talks about a situation that happened in April of last year in a very small town in Minnesota. A young man who was 17 years old named John Ledoux was uh, trying to get into his storage locker and in doing so went through the backyard of a local resident who noticed him thought it was weird that he John was going through her backyard to get to his storage uh, storage shed and she called the police upon the police arriving they found Mr. Ledoux 17 year old kid and had a ton of ammunition in there a lots of uh, various types of explosive powder thousands of ball bearings pipes for pipe bombs 15 pounds of potassium perchlorate, 9 pounds of aluminum powder, magnesium, all kinds of stuff. Even stuff that that he was going to use to make thermite with. That boy was going to blow something up. Well, he had guns, all this kind of thing. And they asked him, okay, so I'm going to read you a bit of his interview. So y'all focus on this because I'm ultimately going to ask you the question about evil. They asked him what his intentions were. And he said, well, I have a notebook under my bed that explains it. And the cop said, well, why don't you kind of tell us what the notebook says? This is what he said. He said, okay, sometime before the end of the school year, my plan was to steal a recycling bin from the school, take one of the pressure cookers I made, and put it in the hallway and blow it up during passing period time. I would detonate when people were fleeing, just like the Boston bombings, and blow them up too. Then my plans were to enter and throw Molotov cocktails and pipe bombs and destroy everyone, and then when the SWAT team came, I would destroy myself. So he had an assault rifle, he had an SKS rifle, he had a Beretta, he had a gun safe with other guns and things like that. And and so this part of the interview kind of caught my eye. Uh, The cop asked him, do you have brothers and sisters? And he said, yeah, I have a sister. She's one year older than me. And Schroeder, uh, the cop said, okay, she goes to school too? He said, yes. She's a senior? Yes, she is. Here's the question. Okay, so you would have done this stuff while she was at school as well? And here's his answer. I forgot to mention a detail. Before that day, I was planning to dispose of my family too. Why would you dispose of your family? What have they done? They did nothing wrong. I just wanted as many victims as possible. This is a 17-year-old kid. He wasn't bullied. He had friends. He wasn't a loner. There wasn't any sort of history of mental illness beyond his father thought that uh, one time when he and a buddy went hunting, they, uh, I think, roughed up a deer or something like that a little bit more than his father thought should have happened. But other, this was not a kid that was bullied. He wasn't mad at the world. He had read about all these other school shooters, and, and he was just... Wanting to do the same thing. He, in particular, was a fan of Eric Harris, uh, the kind of the, the mastermind of the Columbine shootings. And here's here's kind of what Gladwell makes the case of. And I don't know if you guys read the article or not. It's fairly fascinating. Gladwell says that all of these school shootings are a slowly emerging riot in the sense that they are happening 
it's it's a sort of a mob mentality kind of thing. Uh, if if you have a situation where very few people would steal, go in a, a store and steal a television, but if you see another person go in a store and steal a te- television, a person break a window and things like that, ultimately you can get all but the most staunch of moral people involved in stealing and pillaging because it's it's a riot factor. If you see a few people do it, you're going to do it. And this is what Gladwell says. This is his explanation of the school shootings that have happened so often lately. He says it's because it's it, it's a copycat sort of riot dynamic. I think he's missing the point. I think evil is discounted in this and every other explanation I've ever heard for school shootings, for spree murders, that sort of thing. Yes, mental health probably has something to do with it, but I think we're discounting the issue of depravity and evil. What do you guys say? Well, I, I agree. Um, <laughs> you know what happens in our country is that it usually get usually gets politicized mm-hmm. um, for various reasons and. You have one side who doesn't really believe in evil. They don't have a category for it because they don't believe in God, uh, truth be told. And then you have the other side who um, who does believe in evil, and they think the best way to constrain evil is to have other people with uh, – to have good people with guns to, you know, kill the bad people with guns. Um, so it gets politicized, and people just – I don't think that – but even then, I don't think that people really understand what evil is. And here's the reason why. If you grow if you grow up in I don't know, a nice uh, you know, suburban neighborhood, it's hard for you to have a concept of evil. But like the, the like for me, the neighborhood I grew up in, it is not hard to believe that somebody wants to shoot people just because. Because I know people who shot people uh, just because now they might not have shot a whole bunch of people at one time, but if you but if you add up the, the people they've shot, you know, and killed over time, it'd be just like one of these shooters, you know. Um, so it's not even far fetched. It's not far fetched for me to see myself doing that. Now I don't I'm, I don't have any grievances. Um, I'm not a particularly violent guy, but I'm kind of cold. Like I don't have a lot of remorse. You know, that's so, why I like being friends. With now, what I I wouldn't do anything to strangers or something, or something like that, but like, sure, but your friends, look, draw quicker. It was funny. There was an incident. Your gun. When I was at when I was at at Sanford, and I won't go into detail, but there was an incident where some guys on campus had hit a friend of mine, and it was out. We we're out one weekend, and this guy thought this guy said something. He punched a friend of mine, and I got and I and I was upset. And I started calling up the hood. <laughs> <laughs> and sooner, you know, and so when we get back to campus, you see all these guys popping up on Sanford's campus. Long story short, the dean of students had to call a meeting, and he was like, hey, "Man, I don't know what you got going on here, but you need to call this off because, like, I wasn't gonna let it go. Like my friends, they were nice guys, they were scared. I was like, "No, we're gonna fit, we're gonna end this." And when I meant ended, I meant ended. And. <laughs> This is a scary story. That's just how, but that's but that's how I grew up. Like, if we're gonna sell it, let's just sell it. And so it's not a far fetched for me. To, but the point is, it's not far fetched because I know people like this. I know people who shot people for nothing. 
over stepping on their shoe, mm. over words, over looking at them too long. So I understand what evil looks like, but if you just are sheltered and you just don't want to believe that, if you believe that the great lie that all people are essentially good, which is a lie from the pit of hell, then it's going to be hard for you to don't s- don't s- feed s- the Calvinists. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Wait, if you do- go ahead. How's that anti-Calvinist? No, it's not anti-Calvinist. I'm saying oh, you were saying don't feed them. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, but you know, and so that's usually left out of these situations. But like I said, the, the political people don't believe. A lot of them don't believe in evil. And there's also in the Bible tells you this that evil is contagious. Yeah, there you know there's there's innate evil that's in us, but there's also an evil that comes from just you know being around others who are evil, and you know advertising this stuff. Like there's some countries who they won't show this kind of stuff yeah. on the news anymore. They won't they won't mention the names because they know that it that it makes copycats. Yeah, but we won't do that. Yeah, because we got money to make. Okay, see that's kind of what I wanted to I wanted to talk about that for just a moment because I felt like. Uh, I, I don't think the co- copycat is the root issue. No, no. But I do think that happens. Like it, it's just, I mean, number one, it's just kind of obvious that these things happen, and 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 some of the testimonies of these guys are, hey, I, I've seen it done. I want to do it. First um, uh, John two says, "All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father; it's from the world." There's this lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and I realize that that typically makes us think, you know, sexual. But I, I do think there's this just evil perpetuates evil, and like you're saying, somebody in a sick, twisted way, maybe you know, they just see someone do this and they get notoriety for it, and they think oh, I can do it even better and get even yeah. more notoriety, Look, and they I, lust after that notoriety. When I, when I first saw the Columbine thing, my first thing was like, they only kill that many people because I thought it should have been worse. Hmm. I was kind of like, I mean, you had guns, you had bombs, and you only managed to kill what was it, thirty? Yeah, thirty-two people, something like that. I was like, I thought they did a bad job. That was my first thought because I'm just. I'm weird like that. That's how my brain works. Um, now I was glad that they didn't kill me, but I was just like, that. "Yeah, you were you were thinking how how did they how did this not get yeah, more people?" Because yeah. I was like, "They planned this, and that's the best they did." And there's some other, kids. but somebody else who is messed up looks at that and goes, "I can beat that." Oh, I can beat that. It's the video game culture. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, beat my high <laughs> score, beat my beat, beat, you mm. know, beat my high score, beat my my death count. You know, and I think that I think. Like his article, I think he's missing. I agree with Chase. He's missing the main point. Depravity yeah. is the issue, and I think that's why. I mean, honestly, we've already had the gun discussion uh, a few weeks back. But like when we have one of these school shootings, everybody, it's it's it all centers in this country on guns, and so you've got the liberals who say this problem will be solved if we essentially get rid of the guns. And you got the conservatives who say, this problem will be solved if we get more guns in more hands. And the bottom line is, I mean, it's not a gun issue. The the, the issue of what's happening is not a gun issue. Yeah, because this kid had pipe bombs. That's yeah. It. He, was, yeah. He, was doing, he wasn't really doing, he wasn't really trying to shoot people. He was, he was trying to make as many explosive devices as he could. We're running morally from God. I mean, we're, we're, Moving away from him in the country, and then and have been. I mean, we're not a Christian nation. 
and it, we're not a godly nation. And and then when these symptoms of depravity pop up, we try to resolve them with human tactics. But so I, I do think there's a, a copycat place, but I think it's coming from that lust of notoriety, lust of the flesh that, that John talks about. The core issue being a depraved heart. Hmm. Nick, any comments? Just don't. No, yeah. <laughs> I was going to be silly, but no. I, yeah, that's that's a. You get. It feeds the the idea we were talking about earlier about the central doctrines, the, the end times. It's just you know not to be too the sky's falling or whatever, but I mean you just see as things draw to a close, the world spin further and further into chaos. But I you know I do agree with the idea that people at their nature are not good and you know it just is a self-perpetuating thing that as long as something else rules this world it's just going to get worse you're a total depravity guy i'm really no no we're not going to go down that road okay i was just checking (laughs) i've always told you guys that's the 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 one of the five that i have the least qualms about don't let me meet you again yeah, I read an article here from politicalresearch.org that says, uh, uh, it's written by a young lady. She says, 90% of high school or elementary school shootings were the result of white, often upper middle class perpetrators. These shootings are a direct reflection of white male privilege and the consequences that occur when groups like the NRA control influential conservative leaders. Well, I'm not a card-carrying member of the NRA. I am a white, middle-class, uh, male-privileged guy, I upper guess. Class. And why uh, haven't you shot anybody today, my Well, I, I don't know. I guess uh, I'm too busy. Upper-class, Whole Foods. Oh, well, okay. That was just the once, though. But I, I think things like that miss the point. At the same time, she is right about one thing. The the vast majority, statistically, a statistically improbable number of these shootings are perpetrated by white Guys, white males, and I think some one of the, one of the things I think I think Gladwell's hit upon something. I really do think there is a copycat mentality. I think David, you said it was a sort of a video game mentality as well. I think the drive is for notoriety, or Emmanuel said that. Uh, David Emmanuel, either one. I, I think the drive is for notoriety, and the reason why the basically drive, same person the drive is for notoriety is because of of evil, of depravity, of uh, a desperate desire for fame and glory, at least in in some sort of way, and I, I think until we account for depravity, until we count for, account for evil, even if you don't go all the way to total depravity, until we account for real depravity in people, mm. we're not going to be as effective in preventing crimes with incarceration or anything like that. Because uh, the thing that's needed is a heart change not uh, a different psychological whatever. Chase, the non-Calvinist Calvinist. And I'll add... Uh, Chase is as Calvin as two, they come. Two more... Um, two more pretends um, not to be. <laughs> I won't say scapegoats, because not the right word, but two more theories on it that's been pop- popular lately. One is that uh, fatherlessness, that a lot of these kids have bad relationships and no relationship yeah. with their father. Um, and John Ledoux did not. <laughs> and, to our knowledge. And... There's been a lot of articles written on that because it's and it's compelling. And the other one was uh, brought to you by Bill Maher was uh, 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 
friend of the show coming up on episode yeah. 80. Was lack of uh, luck with the ladies. Because a lot of these guys, you know, they wrote a lot about. Elliot Rogers. Nobody was a shooter wanted, that you know, did that. They couldn't get a girl yep. and that kind of stuff. And so. Uh, Chase, back when you were having all those issues getting a date, did you did it make you violent all those years? <laughs> I, look at somebody who who didn't get a date, who couldn't get I'm a date. I'm afraid to I, comment. Thanks I, for tuning in to this episode <laughs> of the Gospel, friends. Wow. <coughs> Is it safe to end on that note? Yeah, I think. Oh, so. let me say one more thing. Oh, wait. When you have um, somebody was going to do it. I actually think both of those are really interesting. The, the, I'm sorry. I just want to say, I don't want to skirt past that. Fatherlessness. But the second one is pretty intriguing, actually. And, it, and, and Issues and it, with not. Yeah, with, with the ladies. Yeah. yeah and, that's, it's, and it's a good case for it. Like, cause that's He wasn't just spouting off. There was, there's evidence there to support that. And see, I, again, I think well, all but, those things they still could, come from evil. could play into it. The, the, the core is depravity, but how, like you said at the beginning, how evil works how it is how it influences us and what triggers are there mm-hmm. I, we don't understand that i, I think those those well, two and, are really interesting and with the fatherlessness and with the the ladies either one as as much as we were kind of we went into the to the lady thing chuckling you talk about relationship you talk about companionship and you know it it does speak to that idea that we need community and it, it warns you that without it what can what can fester what can grow there and you know yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Well, ultimately, the answer to depravity, the answer to evil, here the we go. Answer to fatherlessness is to and, hope and the, the cosmic knife rolled in your favor. Rejection is the love of the father, which can overcome all of those uh, all of those lacks. I thought so you were going to gonna say the gospel. Well, the gospel is, I guess, enveloped in look to Jesus, but. Look to Jesus. The gospel is a greater answer than blaming the NRA. I don't even. I don't like that answer anymore, though. Every time something happens, you'll see somebody write that article about what this person needs is the gospel. It's like, well, 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 duh. We almost talked about an article this week that was called "Did Jesus Have a Gospel-Centered Ministry?" I read that article. I, I think it's pretty compelling. I, I didn't read the end of it. What was the yes? Conclusion? Because it was him. They they came down to say that he that he did. But looking at what? the ministry of Jesus, the primary thrust of it was not always it was kingdom proclaiming the gospel. He proclaimed as the we kingdom. understand it. He proclaimed the kingdom, and he healed the sick, and he cured the lame, and cast out demons, and taught, and and all sorts of things. Didn't say much about substitutionary atonement. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Technically, it hadn't happened yet. Well, we should... Although he was slain before the. I mean, he could have said a lot about it. Like, look, I'm going to die for all of your sins. Should have been all over the place. The elect. Didn't say it much. Didn't say he didn't say it at all, but. Coming up right after this episode of the Gospel, friends, Chase and Emmanuel's Theo Geek Hour. um, Where they're going to pronounce really, really, really (laughs) hard theological words. And me and David are going to watch Men in Their Underwear in the Corner. All right. Manuel, are you a super lapsionarian or an infralapsionarian? Chase will also be showing Emmanuel his new pocket protector he picked up this week, <laughs> which he's extremely proud of. Hey, you oh, keep, keep making fun of me and Emmanuel. Let's see how that goes. Who you got in? Uh, Shoot him. Who you got held in the cell tonight? It's got to go. go taker. 
Really? I think it's going to go Lesnar. I think. They well, maybe it's who I want they, to win. They owe it to to Undertaker because they made him break his undefeated streak. Yeah, yeah but they I let think him. They give him back. They the let win. him, but they gave him back the win a, a few pay per views ago. Kind of. No, but it's not the same. They that was contested, streak. right? Yeah, that was the one that was. I was not he, happy about. He tried to turn heel. Something year old. We'll That's the thing. I think they give him back the win and they we'll they let him go. I want to go watch it. I know better than to have done a pay per view thing at my house and invited anybody over. You'd have been there. Maybe we could have done a bonfire or something. <laughs> yeah, I was going to invite the Auburn and Tennessee fans to my house after yesterday. All right, or wait, a week ago. Boom. So, Aren't you supposed to ask David some of that question? Well, I have to do the, the contact information. Yeah, the com has pretty much everything there, including all show notes. Tune in next week Wait. when you may hear Dave. What? Because I forgot what I was going to say. Hang Let on. me know when you remember. Um, I had it in my head. Dang it, I really had it. I was supposed to always remember why you're doing contact info. You're throwing me off not doing contact info. <laughs> Well, but get, you're gonna have to edit this. I've I'm really been not. impressed by your ability to kind of recall these things out. Now I, I, I always put it together in my head during contact info, but yeah. y'all are throwing me off because we're not doing contact. Gospelfriends.com, hallofdogma.com, speakpipe at my gospel friends, 205-575-9735, speakpipe.com. Slash what can we talk about? The, oh, I know, I know what it was. I know what it is. I got it. All right, go ahead. I got it. All this and more at thegospelfriends.com. Tune in next week while Chase walks away when you may hear David say, Hey, before we go, could we all pray that God would have Alabama lose the rest of its games this year so that would help break the idolatry in the state? Chase, you lead us. Jesus is a friend of mine.